and welcome into another episode of the Third Round Reversal Fantasy Football Podcast. Brett Malman here with Zach Malman. Zach, what's going on? Not much. Uh, almost ready to go back to college, Brett. And uh, I mean, we got one more episode until then. So we got episode 15 here, and uh, we're going to go through some PPR top 40 rankings. But before that, let's get to some news. The biggest coming last night, Jonathan Taylor has been given permission to seek a trade. Zach, what are your immediate thoughts on the loss of what the Colts will get uh, if they do trade away Jonathan Taylor? And who might be a guy to keep an eye on over there? Um, I mean, it it's interesting. Uh, Jonathan Taylor, I, I kind of expected this um, just based on, on previous history of, of certain guys. Lamar Jackson went out and, and was allowed to seek a trade. Uh, a couple of other guys were allowed to go seek a trade. Um, and, and their asking price was just a little bit too high. Uh, most of the time, it, it doesn't work out for the player or the team, uh, depending on on what the offer is, but I mean, I expected this from Jonathan Taylor. I, I don't know if a team is going to pay what he's trying to get from, from the Colts is I think it's five years, 75 million, which way too much for a running back in a lot of teams minds. So I, I mean, it's smart. I would say from Jonathan Taylor to, to look at these offers. I don't know uh, if anything will really happen from it. So for me, it's an interesting standpoint just from the sense of, yeah, he's trying to get paid. I understand the whole, you know, they're trying to get what what the uh, the Niners gave up for Christian McCaffrey, and that's the whole stance that the Colts are taking. I'm not sure that there's a team really in this league that's going to pay that much. Um, you know, this, this very well could just be the Colts kind of doing what we saw over the last couple of months with Eckler, with Lamar Jackson, where they kind of say, hey, you can go out and try to find a team. And then, you know, the team doesn't come about and they say, well, see, we told you so. Uh, so come sign with us. Eckler got like less than a million dollars on an incentive based contract uh, to go back there. And so I think that's what we're kind of seeing play out here. Um, I'm not sure that I really expect him to get traded, but I mean, from the Colts perspective, if he does go, you know, there's a couple guys that, that you could keep an eye on. I mean, but I, I'm not really sure that from a fantasy perspective, any of those guys is really going to make a difference unless they go out and they get a guy like Kareem Hunt. I think that that's an intriguing name that's out there. We also have heard, you know, Leonard Fournette, you know, guys that are out there. Um, to me, I think Kareem Hunt's the most intriguing option, and they should have him on speed dial the second that they do trade away Jonathan Taylor if and when that does happen. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I think Kareem Hunt's top of the list right now. And and I mean, some surprising reports coming from the Saints a couple of weeks ago about Kareem Hunt. Uh, will he go there? Will he go to India? It depends really if Jonathan Taylor is coming back and he's going to be healthy. I, I mean, it, it's going to be based on that. And, and Leonard Fournette's another good option. Those are really the only two. I agree with you, Brett, that it would put them maybe on the fantasy radar. Really, anybody else I, I don't think would end up being a, a really top guy that you would have to go get on your roster if Jonathan Taylor was out for a little bit of time. Yeah, I think that the only potential thing is if you're in like a dynasty league or something like that, I think the value of Evan Hull might go up a little bit. Um, there's a little intrigue there, but then again, I'm not sure from a redraft perspective that he really holds much value. Uh, we saw Deion Jackson last year and what he could do. When JT wasn't there, that's another intriguing name. But again, not sure how much long-term value he would have over a season-long uh, standing. You know, maybe a week in here or there uh, early in the season if they do trade Taylor before the season starts or holds out or, or whatever the case may be. Um, and then there's Zach Moss, who's coming off injury. Didn't really show a lot when he was in Buffalo, which made them get rid of him. Uh, didn't really show a lot when he was in Indy. And so I'm not sure that I really trust a guy like Zach Moss or Deion Jackson or Evan Holden propel me to a championship and, and give you that kind of production that you would expect out of a team that was holding Jonathan Taylor. Um, you know, so, so for me, I, I look at the outside. Uh, so I, I think it should be interesting to see, but as far as Jonathan Taylor's situation goes, you know, if they do trade him, let's first talk about, you know, a couple landing spots for him and, and what his fantasy value may be. And does it increase a little bit? 
So when we talked about this, I mean, I wrote four teams down that I feel like I, I think they have like a solid shot. Two of them, I think, have a, a really good chance to maybe get them and, and probably have the best chance of the four. Uh, the, the bottom two, I have the Minnesota Vikings with Alexander Madison as their lead back. And I have the Dallas Cowboys as they do not have Zeke Elliott anymore. And they have Tony Pollard as their lead guy. I don't think it makes too much sense for Dallas, but if they want another option, a, a power back kind of role, I feel like Jonathan Taylor would be perfect for that. And for the Vikings, they haven't, uh, they've told us like, uh, uh, excuse me, Alexander Madison is going to be our top guy. We believe in him, but I feel like people are underestimating him a little bit. Uh, maybe Jonathan Taylor comes in and could be that lead guy. It would take the offense to a new level and may, maybe be the replacement for Dalvin Cook. Uh, those two I, I don't think are likely to happen. The top two in my mind are the Buffalo Bills and the Baltimore Ravens. I, I think Buffalo with James Cook as their lead guy, I think they could do better with Jonathan Taylor as their, as their number one running back. And with Baltimore, they don't want to pay J.K. Dobbins right now. Uh, rightfully so, a ton of injuries to start his career. They don't. He's asking for a contract. The Ravens are like, no, you haven't been on the field. You haven't proved to us that that you're worth that. Um, I think if they can go get Jonathan Taylor, all of a sudden this run-heavy offense with Lamar Jackson, pair that up with Jonathan Taylor, and you have the receivers now with Odell and, and Zay Flowers and Mark Andrews as your tight end. I mean, we're talking about one of the best offenses in all of football if they're able to get that done. Yeah, it's funny that you say Lamar Jackson, and it's kind of interesting because Anthony Richardson, the comp over there with Indy, and, and they could have had that uh, had he stayed. And obviously not saying that Anthony Richardson's going to turn into Lamar Jackson, but just based on the, the play style, I think that it's easy to say the running quarterback with Jonathan Taylor, that, that could be an interesting pairing. For me, it, it comes down to a couple teams here, and you know I've, I've seen the Dolphins in the last couple days. I don't buy that. I think that the Dalvin Cook thing – really just fell to the fact that they thought that they could get Dalvin. He's from Miami uh, at a discount and, and that he wanted to be a Dolphin. And so all the people that are pointing at the Dolphins for Jonathan Taylor, I don't know that I buy that. I don't think that they're going to give up another pick to go get him, uh, especially if they're trying to give up, you know, maybe it's not even a first, maybe it's a bunch of seconds. Like I'm not sure that the Dolphins are going to be that team. Um, it's interesting that you say the Ravens. And I think that that's one of those teams that, might be lurking a little bit uh, just based on the fact that they don't trust J.K. Dobbins. Um, so so for me, that is one of the teams. Uh, I've also seen the Bills. I think that they're content with James Cook, though, and and what he's brought, and he's young, and, you know, they're going to kind of ride him a little bit. So, you know, there's, there's that interesting one. Cowboys are an interesting team as well, um, just because Jerry likes getting his big name, and, and, you know, that's a guy that obviously is going to put butts in the seats and, and – I think, you know, they didn't want to pay Zeke because they thought Zeke was past his prime. Uh, and that was kind of what was said. And so here's a guy who's right in the middle of his prime. And, you know, you don't have to tie him down to a long-term contract based on what the market is saying. So you can tie him down to a shorter-term contract at a higher salary. I think that, you know, if the Cowboys can free up some cap, it might make some sense there. Um, you know, the Vikings, that's another one that, that's an interesting case. Not sure too much that I see it just based on the capital that they would have to give up. But the one team that I really see ahead of everybody else is the Kansas City Chiefs. I think that they're at a spot right now where they really don't care about the draft picks. Picking 31 is not that important to them. Picking 32 is not that important to them. They want to get to the Super Bowl and win. And, and that's all that it takes. And so, you know, they, they would be content giving up a first or a second round pick for Jonathan Taylor, I think. Um, and it, it'll just kind of be a, let's go do this thing. It might not even require an extension to be in place. They might just say, let's go trade for him and, and go after it. Um, listen, I, I think that they're in a, an interesting spot right now that not a lot of teams are in, you know, we talk about Travis Kelsey, he's 35, he's coming towards the end. They don't have a ton of pass catchers and, you know, JT has proven, He's pretty good in, in as a pass catcher. They like throwing to the running back. I think there's an interesting fit there. Yeah, I, I mean, the Chiefs are another team that that's kind of lurking around. I, I think it's I, it's not the same, but I feel like there's similarities between that and, and the Buffalo Bills. I feel like 
They have their guy, Isaiah Pacheco, in, in Kansas City, um, but it's really not locked down in the spot. I feel like it's kind of similar to James Cook. He's not locked down as as that top guy. If they if they get offered Jonathan Taylor, that's an easy upgrade over over what they have. And and I mean it takes them to another level. Both these teams are are contending maybe a couple pieces away, they think. Um, so if they could get those upgrades then I, I feel like it, it's a good spot. I like Kansas City uh, just based on they can give him that kind of shorter term. They wouldn't give him a long term. It, it wouldn't fit really in their cap. But if they could give him a couple years, I mean, like rack up a couple Super Bowls, then Jonathan Taylor all of a sudden has a, a really uh, hot resume that a lot of teams could then pay for. Yeah, for me, I, I just think that those two teams probably sit ahead um, the only reason I picked the Chiefs over the Bills in terms of, you know, settling on their other running back is the draft capital. Listen, with James Cook, they spent a high draft pick on him. Um, and, and with Pacheco, he was he was one of the last picks of the draft. And so to me, I think that that's where it kind of falls in. Um, the Chiefs also kind of are in a spot right now where, again, they, they don't really care about the draft capital. And we know that Brandon Bean over in Buffalo, he likes those draft picks and, and utilizing the back end of the first round and whoever kind of slips. And this past year they got Dalton Kincaid and, and that was important for them. They talked about even moving up from that pick a couple spots. Um, and so I think that that alone uh, puts the chiefs ahead of the bills. Yeah, definitely fair. All right. So now we get into our next piece of news and it actually came out just a few minutes ago as Pete Carroll spoke. Uh, Jackson Smith, the Jigba has a slight fracture in his wrist. He is slated to see a specialist and you know it, it should be interesting to see whether or not he gets in there for week one Zach and what could this potentially do if anything to his value I think in dynasty it, it's kind of the same I, I it really doesn't change much it's a it's a small one we think uh obviously maybe a long shot to to start the season week one but you would think if it's not week one, then it'll be back week two or week three. I think it's one of those. You, you're out a couple of weeks, three, four weeks um, at most. Right now, he's wide receiver 40 on ESPN and redraft. I, I think it bumps down his redraft value just a little bit based on he, he might be out for the start of the season. But, I mean, you look at the guys around him, Jordan Addison, Sky Moore, Odell, Zay Flowers, they're all in that area. I mean, boost them up a little bit, maybe uh, reconsider drafting JSN. We always talk about uh, rookies that they they don't always slide. I feel like a guy like Jordan Addison, who's behind JSN, should now move ahead and, and be that top rookie wide receiver. I thought that uh, in the first place with, with the situation he's in up in Minnesota. But like I said, Jordan Addison, Sky Moore, Odell, maybe push them up a tiny bit. I don't think a lot, though, because JSN still has that value as a rookie wide receiver. Yeah, I think I agree with you from the dynasty perspective. It doesn't really change anything. Um, might push him down a touch only based on the fact that um, it came out from the Tacoma News Tribune. Greg Bell uh, said that they are holding out hope that it's only a three to four week injury. That would put him out for the first week and maybe even week two. And so, you know, it's a couple weeks out. I don't know that it changes it that much. Listen, he's being picked in like the 10th or 11th round. I think he's 100 uh, right on the dot in ADP. And so I'm not sure it really changes that much. I think that there will be a couple week boost for, uh, you know, a guy like DK Metcalf, uh, who's had a little bit of cloudy uh, reviews the last couple weeks, and Tyler Lockett as well. Um, those are two guys that have a lot of upside in the short term. Um, but for JSN, I think that he'll be okay. They obviously it's a rookie. And so you want him to get well, but I'm not sure that the, the value changes too much for me. Yeah, completely agree. All right. So our next piece of news comes out of Tampa Bay as it was Baker Mayfield, who was named quarterback one for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Zach, does this boost anything for your shot of taking Baker Mayfield on your fantasy football roster and who could it impact? So, it doesn't. I think Baker's not on the fantasy radar as much as as we love him and he, and he's he's a fun player to watch wherever he goes. Especially last year when he went to Los Angeles, that one game on Thursday night, he went absolutely off against Vegas. Very fun to watch, but he's not on my fantasy radar. I think the guys around him 
this definitely impacts them. I do think, Brett, it it hurts Rashad White's rushing value just a touch because if he had a guy like Kyle Trask next to him, a rookie quarterback, they would probably lean on the run a tiny bit more. But now they have an experienced quarterback, Baker Mayfield, who's kind of been through those certain times where where pass heavy and, and he's got to swing the ball around. And he definitely can do that. I think it hurts Rashad White's rushing value just a touch. And it leads to a little bit more upside for his wide receivers and Chris Godwin and Mike Evans. Obviously, Russell Gage is now out for the season. So that's a big loss to them as, as their third wide receiver. But Godwin and Evans, you can see some upside now because obviously it was bumped down because of the quarterback play. And they were they're, they were not sure who was going to be the, the QB1. Now, if for sure Baker Mayfield is the quarterback one, they have uh, some value in the passing game. And, and these two, Godwin probably maybe gets 100 receptions this year still, even without Tom Brady and, and has Baker Mayfield. I don't think that happens with a guy like Kyle Trask. So like I said, the, the upside is a little bit higher for Godwin and Evans in that receiver room. Yeah, I also think you got to mention Kate Otten a little bit. Um, it's a guy that Baker likes throwing to the tight end, and so I think that he also gets a little bit of a bump just based on the fact that you have more of a proven quarterback than you would with Kyle Trask. I thought it was kind of interesting what you said there with Rashad White. Um, I, I do agree with it. I also know that Cam Akers was on Baker Mayfield's team that last couple of weeks, and yeah, he was learning, he was kind of learning a, a new playbook and you know out in L.A., but at the same time, they did give the ball a lot to Cam Akers, and you know, he was one of the top running backs in the league from a fantasy perspective. That said, I, I think that just in terms of stability, um, it is good move. It is a good move to have Baker in there just from all-around perspective. That said, I'm not rostering any of these guys this year. We've spoken about that kind of at length, and and you know, I'm kind of staying away from those receivers and Rashad White. Yeah, uh, me too. And and uh, when it comes to to Baker, I feel like there's just there's more trust to sling the ball around, and I think that's why White's rushing value just goes down a touch. They they wouldn't be putting Kyle Trask in that tough situation to throw the ball downfield if they didn't really have that full trust in him. Yeah, absolutely. It should be interesting to see how he replaces Tom Brady and and you know what that whole uh, spotlight is like for Baker. And and I'm sure we'll be talking about him and some of the other guys as the season goes along, but let's get into our top 40 rankings here. We're going to start out with our top 10 and, you know, I can read off mine. Number one, Justin Jefferson, number two, Christian McCaffrey, number three, Austin Eckler, followed by Jamar Chase, Bijan Robinson, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, Cooper Cup, Saquon Barkley, and Nick Chubb. Zach, you want to read out your top 10? So mine's Justin Jefferson, Austin Eckler, then three is Christian McCaffrey, four is Jamar Chase, then Bijan Robinson, Travis Kelsey, Tyree Kill, Cooper Cup at nine is Saquon Barkley, and at 10 is Tony Pollard. So kind of interesting here, and you know, let's just break it down a little bit, and we'll start towards the top. McCaffrey over Eckler. I mean, Zach, I really don't have a problem taking Eckler over McCaffrey. Obviously, I had the first pick in the draft, and we spoke at length about valuing the running backs this year and so you know i took christian mccaffrey number one overall um that said what goes into your head when when you take eckler over mccaffrey so the first thing that stood out to me was he was running back one last year was austin eckler and and that i feel like i know what i'm getting i i the trust in it but the real reason for it was there's no running back behind austin eckler that i'm like oh god i i, I gotta be a tiny bit cautious about i feel like eli mitchell will get a couple more carries than people are expecting i don't think that's going to have an impact i feel like christian mccaffrey's still going to be a top two running back no matter what but because there's no running back behind austin eckler and he really gets that massive massive workload i mean the guy has 38 touchdowns over the last two seasons i think that's why i just just a touch i'll pick eckler over mccaffrey yeah, I don't disagree with it. I just think that from uh, from the perspective of the quarterback play and things like that, um, you know, I, I'm taking the the less proven quarterback where I think they're going to kind of lean more into the run. Um, but I, I don't discount taking Eckler there. I just think that, you know, this is a season where 
they have McCaffrey in um, full time and he's gotten a full offseason to learn the playbook. And obviously when he first got there, they kind of only gave him a couple plays and then it kind of built off of that. Um, you know, I don't know that he really ever got a full playbook uh, to study. And so now I think this go around, they've actually figured out, you know, they, they've morphed the playbook to how can we get Christian McCaffrey involved in this? Um, and so that for me, that put him over the edge. Uh, but again, I, I don't discount whether you take Jefferson, Eckler, McCaffrey at the first pick. I think those are pretty clear cut. The first guys there, uh, we have Chase and we have Bijan Robinson right there, neck and neck. And then it's a little bit of controversy here with Tyreek Hill over Travis Kelsey. And you have Kelsey over Tyreek Hill. Just kind of guide us through what your thoughts are. Yeah, just quickly, Brett, I, I want to go uh, just quickly on Bijan because yeah. a lot of people will see that Bijan value uh, or Bijan ranking and they're like, oh, five for a rookie is a little bit high. We're, bi we're big on Bijan Robinson this year. I mean, the heaviest rushing <laughs> offense in the NFL last season was Atlanta. Here we go, Brett. Six running backs drafted top 10 since 2011. I mean, you go down the list of guys, Saquon Barkley, Trent Richardson, every single one of them was in the top 10 in all of fantasy as rookies. I mean, that tells you all you need to know. I think Bijan is that guy. I know you agree on that. Yeah, I think that this is going to be a huge year for him. I think that there's a potential that he finishes at, ahead of Eckler, ahead of McCaffrey and you know, I go back to what I just said about the quarterback. I think that it's it's not really proven what we're going to see there in Atlanta. And so for me, I think that they're, you know, they spent high on, on the draft capital. I think they're going to ride right into it. And it's going to be the Bijan show. And we saw it a little bit this past weekend. And just, you know, he looks like he's just an explosive back. Um, excited to see what he has there. Uh, quickly, just on, on Tyreek Hill over Travis Kelsey. I think that this is a year where, I like grabbing a stud wide or a running back uh, in the one spot with the other one going at two. And for me, I just think that, you know, there's a couple of those tight ends you can grab a little bit later that still give you the value. I understand, you know, Kelsey and I'm not discounting Kelsey. I do have him at seven. Um, I just think that the wide receiver uh, this year, especially at the top, uh, you kind of want to get one of those guys, which is why I put him ahead of Travis Kelsey. That's fair. I kind of count Travis Kelsey as a wide receiver. So it's like, <laughs> all right, you know, exactly. So it, it really doesn't matter. And I feel like the one thing that, that made me choose Kelsey over Hill was, was the injury questions of the quarterback. I, that's, that's pretty easy to figure out. I mean, Miami, you, you know what you're going to get from Tyree kill, but I feel like the ceiling's so much higher if two is on the field. He's still last year, Tyreek Hill, without Tua, was putting up insane numbers, but he didn't have a touchdown in those games. So if that takes away the touchdowns, then that's that's a big loss. I feel like Mahomes and Kelsey, you just can't go wrong with it. It's it's You could go either way on it, Brett. So that said, it is interesting because a lot of people are going to have their eyebrows raised when they see where we put Tyreek ahead of Cooper Cup. Uh, a lot of people are having Cooper Cup picked in the top three in their drafts. Um, just kind of guide us through what your thoughts were on putting Tyreek ahead of Cooper Cup. I'm I'm not worried about the start of the season. I think this guy is going to be unbelievable. But when my team is heading to the fantasy playoffs and and heading to to grab a championship, I don't think Cooper Cup has the same value at that time of year. I feel like Los Angeles. I'm I'm worried that. One injury for Cooper Cup, they're gonna like. All right, they're gonna be like, all right, let's sit him out. I I'm worried about that. I feel like every other one of these teams will get their guy back at in a normal time frame. And I feel like LA's team is so bad that they might get three wins this year. And we it's they're that bad on defense as well that I feel like I'm just gonna stay away i'll let somebody else take cooper cup and i'll take my chances on on one of those other guys uh in that top 10 range yeah i think that's a great point and it's something that you know kind of went into my ranking too just later in the season he might not be as valuable i'm not sure that a i'm not sure he's going to get the same volume that he got the last two years just based on the injury i don't know that they want to absolutely you know drive him into the ground uh and, and so for me i i think that that's what puts him behind Tyreek Hill. That said, I, I totally agree with you. I think that later in the season, you want one of those guys that's on the top teams. And 
for me, that's what that's what Tyreek Hill is going to be. And you you assume that the Dolphins are going to be competing for a playoff spot, playing in meaning, meaningful games uh, where Cooper Cup, it's not really, the, you know, the future is not that clear for the for the Rams. One thing I'll say, Brett, is like if Cooper Cup and, and in most drafts, he's not dropping this far like that. That's just but if he does and you can get Cooper Cup at nine or ten and you can back yourself up with a, a really good pick, I can understand it. One thing I said a couple of weeks ago is if you get Cooper Cup and you can trade him in like week seven, because he's going to be putting up insane numbers to start the season if he's on the field, which I think he will be. You could get some really good value, and then you can start planning for the playoffs. I think that's a good strategy if you end up getting Cooper Cup. Yeah, interesting. So now we continue down, and it was a it was a little bit of a debate there at the at the back end of the top ten, and you know who in a ten team league who are you taking there, Zach? You would take Tony Pollard, and I had Nick Chubb. Zach, just explain Tony Pollard and and the case for him. Just the upside for me. I, I mean, this guy's by himself right now in that Dallas backfield. So if he's by himself and they're just going to ride through him, why not? I, I think that makes him a, a top five running back, especially in this offense that can move the ball down the field. Um, and, and Tony Pollard, if he's taking Zeke's touchdowns now, he's a perfect player. He's a perfect player. I would go grab him. I, I would value him just a touch over those other guys next to him. Henry and, and Chubb are, are the two next to him. I prefer Pollard just because of the upside. I think it's going to be a really, really good year. And if you could get Tony Pollard, go get him. Yeah, for me, I, I think that, you know, it comes down to kind of what we just spoke about with Jonathan Taylor. I think that, you know, there might be a guy that they go out and get at the Cowboys just because he is kind of by himself. Um, whereas Nick Chubb, I think that later in the year when we spoke about it on a couple episodes prior to this, you know, Nick Chubb was getting a lot of the passing game, even with Kareem Hunt there. And so I think we're going to see a little bit more of that. Uh, that to me is why I put Nick Chubb there. I'm not sure that there's going to be any running back competition that they're going to bring in. Um, so for me, I, th- I think that Nick Chubb kind of is the lead guy there. And I don't really see anybody coming in where Dallas might go out and get someone. That's fair. I mean, they better get somebody fast. We're only two weeks away from the season. So if they are getting that guy, then I'll bump Pollard down. But for right now, I mean, this guy's a perfect player if it's just him and Deuce Vaughn in that backfield. Yeah, and for those asking about Deuce Vaughn, because there's a lot of headlines, I'm not sure Deuce Vaughn's going to have that big of a role. I think he'll kind of be one of those like change of pace backs and he'll come in for a couple carries a game. But yeah, I agree with the Pollard thing, at least you know, in the next little while uh, until we get some news or if we get some news. Yeah, completely. All right. So now let's jump to our 11 to 20 rankings. And I'll start off with mine at 11. It's Derek Henry at 12. I have Tony Pollard though. So not too far of a drop. Uh, 13 is Stefan Diggs. 14 is Devonte Adams followed by Garrett Wilson, AJ Brown, CD lamb, Josh Jacobs, Jonathan Taylor, and Amon Ross St. Brown. Zach, what do you got? I have Derrick Henry at 11, then Nick Chubb at 12, Devontae Adams, then Stephon Diggs, then Garrett Wilson. 16 is A.J. Brown, 17 C.D. Lamb, then Josh Jacobs, Amon Ross St. Brown, and Jonathan Taylor. So, Brett, we have we have basically the same guys. They're just flip-flopped. <laughs> yeah, and it's funny because our, our number 12 ranking is Tony Pollard and Nick Chubb. And, you know, that was our, our 10, 10 rankings. Uh, just the opposite. And so, you know, not too much to debate here. I mean, I have Diggs over Adams. I could see taking Adams over Diggs. That said, I, I just, you know, the upside and kind of what we just spoke about in the last couple uh, minutes with, you know, those end of season games and where those teams will be. Uh, I'm not sure that they're going to be resting Stefan Diggs in week 17 and what might be your championship game. Cause I still think that the AFC East is going to be a pretty competitive division this year. So I think there will be some meaningful games towards the end of the season for the Bills. Um, but that said, I, I'm not sure that there's too much debate here uh, on this on this top 10. What we can talk about is that drop in Jonathan Taylor all the way to the bottom end of that 20. Uh, I have him at 19. You have him at 20. Does his rank go up or down if he goes to one of these contending teams, say the Bills or the Chiefs? 
Uh, if he goes to one of those guys, then yeah, he's he's back up there because you know he's going to be on the field. I feel like he'll be on probably the edge of top ten, maybe in the top ten. You just depending on on who you value a little bit more uh, of those running backs and receivers on the back end. I feel like yeah, if if he signs with one of those teams, I definitely push him up. But I I'd put Josh Jacobs and Amon Ra over him. Because I, I feel like those two guys, I, I just know kind of what I'm getting. Obviously, Josh Jacobs is still a question mark, but there have been reports that he's going to be back uh, within the next week or so, most likely, uh, and be that number one running back. And and I will say, if Josh Jacobs does come back, I'm pushing him up this list. I, the one reason I had him down low was because of, of the question marks in Vegas. But I feel like, I can put him next to guys like Derrick Henry and Nick Chubb as, as a really reliable running back in an offense that doesn't have too much besides him and Devontae Adams. Yeah, for me, it's, you know, I had Josh Jacobs also ahead. Um, and I just think that that also, just like you said, if he comes back, it probably goes up a couple spots. Um, that said, I, I, just like I said a few minutes ago, I think that that group of wide receivers there all in a row uh, five through nine, you know, Diggs, Adams, Wilson, Brown, and Lamb. I think that those, to me, uh, have a higher value right now than Josh Jacobs, just based on we're kind of unknown on Josh Jacobs. And and if he does come back, and what, how long does it take him to actually ramp up? And, uh, you know, we've talked about holdouts and how guys come back from holdouts, and they're not exactly ready to go. And sometimes they are, like we, we saw DeAndre Hopkins come back from a suspension, and he just kind of hit the ground running. But that said, they're not always like that. And so that unknown kind of pushed them down for me. That said, the unknown also kind of pushed Jonathan Taylor up one spot over Amonra. Uh, that only happened in the last 24 hours. And so for me, you know, when I was doing this ranking, at first I had him at 20. And then I kind of pushed him up another spot because I think he will go to one of those contending teams. I'm not sure that you're going to get one of those rebuilders that's going to give up a pick to go get Jonathan Taylor. Um, so that intrigue kind of pushed him up a little bit for me. And obviously, yes, like you said, if he does go to the Bills, if he does go to the Chiefs, he's probably on that borderline top 10. And so if you're grabbing him in the middle of your second round, you know, don't look at our list and say, oh, well, I, you know, I overdrafted. Um, I drafted him too high. I don't know that that's something to be afraid of. Um, you know, if, if he's there in the middle of the second round, don't shy away from it. You know, it, it is a good pick. Yeah. And so, and Brett, just quickly um, on these, this, uh, stretch of rankings some people will see the running backs a little bit higher we've talked about this plenty of times like we value running backs a little bit more than the receivers this year just based on there's not a lot of them there's a ton a ton of wide receivers and, and those five there we have and or maybe six of them you can go really either way on on a lot of them uh, like for example my my reason on on Adams over Diggs is the touchdowns that he got last year. I feel like he's he's going to keep those up and and that's why it pushes him up there. But I mean, you can really go either way on on any of those guys, but like I said, the the running backs you got to get them early because you'll see once you get to the third or fourth round, they're all gone and you're like, "Oh god, what do I do now?" Yeah, an interesting note just you know, we spoke a couple of weeks ago about draft strategies. Go check that episode out. But, you know, you talk about your five and five. You like to have five wides and five running backs. Well, we got nine nine running backs and ten wides in our top 20, uh, both of them. And so, you know, and of course we have Travis Kelsey as the other guy. But, you know, kind of split down the middle in the position in the top 20. And, you know, I think that that's kind of how it's going this year. But the running backs definitely uh, are sliding up the list. Yep, agreed. All right, so now we jump into our 21 to 30 rankings, and I'll start out at 21. Jalen Waddell, then it's followed by Patrick Mahomes at 22, Aaron Jones at 23, followed by Chris Olave, Josh Allen, Travis Etienne, Jalen Hurts, DK Metcalf, Najee Harris, and Joe Mixon is at 30. Zach, what do you got? I have Jalen Waddle at 21, then Aaron Jones, then Chris Olave. 24 is Travis Etienne. Then at 25 is Patrick Mahomes. 26, Josh Allen. 27, Jalen Hurts. Then Joe Mixon, Najee Harris. And at 30, I have DK Metcalf. So, yeah, so very similar guys here. 
Um, you know, we both have Waddle there. And then, you know, I kind of jumped up Patrick Mahomes uh, a little bit. And, you know, we spoke about that at length and, and just the value of the quarterback. I think that, you know, some people put him neck and neck. You put all three quarterbacks neck and neck right there. And, you know, you can't really go wrong with either one of them. Um, I spaced them out a little bit. I think that Mahomes has has a bit more value. And if I was on the clock there at the at the three turn, uh, you could bet I'm taking a quarterback. And, you know, our league mates talk about it all the time that I like to take the quarterback in the third. But I just think that grabbing one of those guys uh, just propels your team to have those 40, 40 point nights and, you know, 35 point nights for sometimes for these quarterbacks uh, with the rushing upside. And, and to grab one of those guys, I think that that's why we put them in our top 30. Yeah, very fair. And, and I would say there's just a couple of guys there, Aaron Jones and Chris Olave, that I'm like, those guys are really, really important. And I feel like it pushes Mahomes and, and, and those other quarterbacks down a little bit just based on I feel like those two guys are, are maybe league winners this year, Aaron Jones and, and Chris Olave. And not to say that Patrick Mahomes isn't, but I feel like there's really – not too much to separate Mahomes, Allen, and Hurts. I feel like you can't go wrong if you got any of the three of them. I would put Mahomes at, at the top of those guys, most completions, yards, and touchdowns in 2022. But I feel like Josh Allen, since the Stefan Diggs trade in, in 2020, quarterback one, quarterback one, quarterback two. You're not you're not missing too much value there by drafting Josh Allen. I put Hertz at the bottom of those three guys because I need to see it again. Obviously, last year was fantastic, but those two guys ahead of him, Allen and Mahomes, have proved year after year after year that they're the number they're number one and number two. If Hertz can continue that, he has tremendous upside, then I can reconsider pushing him up. But for now, I mean Mahomes and Allen, I, I have to go with them as the top two quarterbacks. Yeah, I, I don't disagree on the Aaron Jones, Chris Olave thing. I think that if they were on the on the board there, I still probably would take Josh Allen if if uh, Mahomes was gone. Um, but that said, I, I understand the whole league, league winner perspective for both of those guys. Listen, this is a year where Aaron Rodgers is not there in Green Bay, and it very well might be the Aaron Jones show. We don't really know yet uh, what Jordan Love's going to be. And, and Chris Olave kind of proved last year that he is a guy that, that's going to get a lot of targets. Michael Thomas noise aside, uh, I think that Olave is going to get a huge workload and, and you know, could even push into that Cooper Cup type volume, uh, depending on what Carr likes to do. And and if he picks out a favorite receiver, and, and we'll figure that one out pretty early. Um, but yeah, the rushing quarterback for me, that's, that's the upside. Um, and then, you know, I kind of slid Mixon down a couple spots. We're very unknown about him and his future with Cincinnati. And, you know, that's another potential landing spot for Jonathan Taylor or another running back. Um, and, and just the organizational perspective of that. That's the only reason why I put Mixon a couple spots below, just based on the fact that I don't really like to draft players where they're unknown and, and they might be a problem later on in the season. That's fair. I mean, the reason I put Mixon, it's it kind of goes under the radar, Brett. I mean, he's been in his first four or or excuse me, in his first five NFL season, four of them, he's been top 13 overall. I mean, that's that's pretty good. Like, that's really good numbers for a guy that he kind of just slides under the radar. And he's a really solid RB2 now. I think it's it's a good pick there at, at 28, but I could go either way with him or Najee Harris. Uh, I mean, it, it turns maybe into a, a bi-week question mark for some people. That's really all you can say about Mixon or Harris. You really can't go wrong with either one. Yeah, so now let's just jump into our 31 to 40 rankings as we round out this top 40. And I'll start out with 31. I have Devonta Smith followed by T. Higgins, Jamar Chase, Keenan Allen, James Conner, Mark Andrews, T.J. Hawkinson, Ramondre Stevenson, Lamar Jackson's at 39, and Brees Hall is at 40. And for me, Brett, Devonta Smith at 31, then T. Higgins, Ramondre Stevenson, Jameer Gibbs, Keenan Allen, 36 is James Conner, and then at 37, I have Mark Andrews, then T.J. Hawkinson, at 39 is Joe Burrow, and rounding out the top 40, I have Jerry Judy. 
So some pretty similar rankings also in this one. However, the big one is Ramondre Stevenson. Um, you know, I, I slid Ramondre down from 33 all the way down to 38. I just think that for me, I'm very unsure of the thorn in his side, Ezekiel Elliott. You know, we talked about touchdown vulture and what that might mean for Ramondre. I think that Ramondre is going to get the bulk of the carries. I'm, you know, I'm not worried about that. I'm more so worried about those within the 10 yard line carries that he's probably going to miss out on, you know, and, you know, that's just kind of where I first see with, with Ezekiel Elliott coming in. And so losing out on those touchdown numbers, I think I'd rather have some of those other guys there. Completely fair. And and that's the, the one question now with Ramondre, but I mean, this guy was running back 11, I, I believe on, on yeah. uh, a lot of consensus rankings. He was running back 11 before Zeke got there. So I pushed him down three spots. I said, all right, three spots is good enough. I'd still put him in the top 15 because I feel like even though the touchdowns will be gone, the volume I think is better than a lot of the guys in, in maybe the top 15. Like there's a lot of volume in this offense that's heading Ramondre Stevenson's way because, I mean, they don't sling the ball around a ton in this in this offense because there's not a, a ton of great wide receivers juju's now the top guy but he's i mean in rankings pushed way down really in the 90s the hundreds like 10th 11th round that's where juju's ranked he's the top guy in the receiver room and i feel like Ramondre with that volume if he just gets four or five rushing touchdowns and yes that that's still a question if can he get that or will zeke take them all I feel like Ramondre has that explosiveness that he he has that big play type ability. And that's where he can get those type of touchdowns. And I feel like it doesn't push his value down too much. I still think he'll get some touchdowns. I don't think it'll all be up to Zeke. Um, and, and like I said last year, this guy had six total touchdowns. That was it. And he was, he was a top 10 running back. That's how much the volume's there. And that, that was the, the breaking point for me. I just think that this could turn into almost one of those James White, LeGarrette Blount type, you know, uh, partnerships. And that's what I'm kind of scared of. I, I, you know, I, I don't disagree with drafting Ramondre Stevenson because he's extremely talented. He's going to get a ton of usage, um, especially if, you know, one of those guys falls to you in, in, you know, what are we in the fourth round already? You know, Ramondre is not a bad pick in the fourth round. Um, you know, I just kind of would look at, a guy like Gibbs, a guy like Connor, where you know that they're going to get those touchdowns, they're going to get that workload. Very fair. All right, so now we just jump over to the very bottom here and, you know, who got into our top 40, those last guys in. Uh, and for me, I had Lamar Jackson. Uh, you know, I have Joe Burrow as my quarterback five. You had Joe Burrow as your quarterback four. Um, and so, you know, not too much debate there, uh, but I did put Lamar in there. And, you know, we been, we both did agree with the quarterback, but it was the last guy in, uh, Brees Hall, and you had Jerry Judy. So kind of just give us a look at, at what made you pick those two guys. Uh, so so Joe Burrow, at first, uh, obviously, you're worried about the calf injury. I'm not worried about the calf injury. I'm going to be honest, Brett. Like, it's I know what I'm going to get from Joe Burrow. He finished quarterback four last year. I I understand that Lamar is going to be a monster this year. I'll take my chances with Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson. And I, I hate to be a downer, but Lamar Jackson has finished in the top five, just one time in his career of quarterbacks. Like that's, that that's really big for me when I, when I'm really thinking about it, Joe Burrow is in the same offense, the same team that he's played for the last three years and, and been a monster. Like he is still, in that offense, that same system, nothing has changed. That's the one question mark for me with Lamar Jackson. Can he now take that big step in the passing game and, and be a passing type quarterback under Todd Munkin and the new OC in that Baltimore room? I, I feel like that's a question mark still. And yes, I would, I would love to put Lamar Jackson as my quarterback for, but I just slid him down to, to quarterback five and, and have Joe Burrow uh, in that quarterback four just because I know what I'm going to get. And, and just quickly on the last one, Jerry Judy over Brees Hall. Uh, 
it, it's hard, Brett, because I, I actually put Brees Hall outside of my top 20 for running backs. I did. I, I pushed him down. I feel like the one thing with Dalvin coming in, I feel like the first half of the season and it's almost gone for Brees Hall. I think Dalvin's going to be the guy, and I think they're going to not rush Brees back in. Obviously, it, you're going to have Brees, and, and he's going to be helpful when it comes to the playoffs. But I feel like throughout the season, there's just a couple guys that I know I'm going to have them for, for 17 weeks versus Brees, where I'm relying on those last nine to really be big time and, and, and win me a championship. Yeah, uh, and you know that would kind of, that's kind of what made me a little scared to put Brees there. That said, I, I think that you know the talent just kind of spoke for itself, and for for that I put him in there. Um, that said, Lamar Jackson over Joe Burrow. Yeah, I, I it's an interesting case because again, I, I did put Joe Burrow as my quarterback five. We'll talk about some of the guys who just missed the list. Uh, he is one of those guys, and and so for me though, I, I think that just Lamar Jackson. You know, contract dispute is done, and that's not hanging over his head anymore. Um, everybody keeps talking about Todd Monken, and is he going to throw the ball more? And he he has Odell, and he has Zay Flowers, and Bateman, and Andrews, and all these weapons and all that. I think that the rushing ability is actually going to be, though, what sets him apart. Listen, Lamar Jackson, he was the top five quarterback right through his injury in Week 13, and he's never finished – lower than second in rushing yards for a quarterback in his whole career. I think that injury is done and, and the contract thing hanging over his head. I think that they're going to run him. Um, I think that they're going to utilize him a ton on the rush and, and yeah, maybe they go out and they get another running back. And like we just spoke about with Jonathan Taylor and whatever, but I think they're really going to lean into the run. And I, I'm not sure that this Todd Monken's going to pass every single down is really true. I think that they're going to utilize Lamar Jackson how he should be, uh, and that's running the football. No doubt. I, one thing I was saying was, was Lamar, I need to see him prove to me that he's he can pass the ball. Like I, yeah. I, I understand he's had that a couple times, and Hollywood Brown and Mark Andrews are there, but – I mean, he's got he's got a heavy receiver room now that he can really uh, work well with. I need to see it just a little bit first uh, versus a guy like Joe Burrow, where where I've seen it over the last couple of years. Yeah, I don't know how much Lamar's actually going to like sling it downfield. I don't, I'm not sure you're going to see that. Uh, where a lot of people are like, oh, he's going to go to a vertical offense. I don't know that you're going to see that at all. Um, I think there's going to be a ton of read options. I think that there's going to be some gadget plays here and there. Uh, a lot of short yardage passes, you know, so it's not just Mark Andrews catching it five yards off the line of scrimmage and running. He's going to have Zay Flowers in open space and, and things like that. Uh, I think that that's what you're going to see. So more of those short yardage passes, but a lot of the running because, listen, he's healthy now and, you know, they hope that he stays healthy for the season. But why not utilize the guy's strengths? That, to me, uh, says that they're going to give him the ball. And the other thing is we just spoke about J.K. Dobbins. I don't know that they trust J.K. Dobbins down low and, and his injuries and all that. I think Lamar's getting those carries. And so that's going to lead to some upside on the touchdowns. And so for me, that's the reason why he propels himself into the top 40. That's completely fair. Just quickly, Brett, um, I think there's a, a big discussion uh, in the tight end room. And it's yeah. really not that big. But those two guys, Mark Andrews and, and T.J. Hawkinson, some people have Hawkinson over Andrews. We both have Andrews over Hawkinson. Uh, you can tell me first just, just why you have Andrews the spot ahead of Hawkinson. Mr. Reliable. I think that he has proven himself that that is his quarterback's favorite target. Um, and, you know, each and every year he's put up volume uh, in numbers and, and he's gotten the touchdowns and things like that. That's the only reason. I only have him one spot and so do you um, behind him with Hawkinson. But – you know, Hawkinson, again, he's coming into this new offense. Kirk Cousins, yeah, he's going to utilize him. I'm not sure how much Kirk Cousins has really utilized the tight end position, though, over his career. Um, you know, he did a little bit in Washington. But that said, I, I think that for me, Andrew's the known commodity I'd rather have. That's fair. I think I, the difference for me, uh, obviously, is is Lamar's top target is Mark Andrews. In Minnesota, it's, I mean, he's the second option, TJ Hawkinson. And I know a ton of, a ton of volume 
uh, towards the later portions of last year after he got traded. I mean, he got, I think he got a hundred targets. It was ridiculous what he was able to do at the tight end position and, and lots of volume. But the one thing he's dealing with a guy uh, just to the right of him named Justin Jefferson, who's going to get a lot of targets himself. And that'll push. Uh, that's, I think it, it's slight, but I think that's why Hawkinson ends up getting in uh, just below Mark Andrews. Yeah. And don't discount, you know, the other guys they have there in Minnesota too, KJ Osborne uh, and Jordan Addison as well. And, you know, those guys have looked pretty good in the preseason as well. And so that, that to me is, is kind of what does it where, yeah, Mark Andrews is clear cut number one guy. And, you know, he's, he's the favorite guy uh, of his quarterback. And so that to me puts him ahead. Yep. All right. So now breaking down who just missed the list, uh, Zach, just, Read off who who your top five maybe off of there. Some guys that just barely missed. Uh, so I, I made I went forty one to to forty five and and Alexander Madison is is the first guy uh, running back seventeen on my on my board. Miles Sanders running back eighteen. He's the next guy. Then I have Deontay Johnson and I might catch a couple people off guards that that he's a little bit ahead of maybe a guy like Debo Samuel, but. I love me some Deontay Johnson this year. I'm I'm all in on him. I've drafted him on both teams I have so far. Really like Deontay this year. Then at 44, I have Lamar Jackson in there. Uh, not too big of a drop off from him uh, or for him from Joe Burrow at 39 on my list. And then my last guy, 45, is Kenneth Walker the third. And and there's question marks. He's my running back 19. I think there's a couple better options ahead of them, and that's why I pushed them down. Yeah, so for me, I have Jerry, Judy, and Joe Burrow, those two guys that you just spoke about. Uh, those are two of my next five. And then I have Damian Pierce followed by Debo Samuel and DeAndre Hopkins. I just think that Damian Pierce right now is getting, you know, the short end of the stick with a lot of people where they're like, oh, well, you know, Singletary's there. He didn't really prove anything down the stretch. It, I think that this is going to be one of those workhorse backs uh, that I would target in my draft as a sleeper, you know, one of those fourth, fifth round guys. Um, I think he's going to get a solid workload. And I'm not really sure that Singletary is going to get touchdown carries, anything like that. Um, so I think Damian Pierce right in that spot is a good one. Uh, Debo, Debo is ranked higher on a lot of people's lists. And I'm not sure that he should be. Uh, that said, I'm, I wouldn't throw him so far down. I think that if you can get Debo in the fifth round, you're pretty content with it. Um, or even the sixth round, you're pretty content with Debo in the sixth round. Um, so he falls into that spot. Uh, and then it's DeAndre Hopkins. And I think that really the reason is because Traylon Burks got hurt. Um, so I kind of pushed him up a couple spots in my rankings. And, and I think that we spoke about it last week where, you know, if Burks isn't there the first couple weeks, you know, he starts to form this partnership there with Ryan Tannehill and, all of a sudden Burks comes back and sorry, the number one spots are already gone because Hopkins is the favorite target. Uh, I think that that's something that we might see play out there in Tennessee. And and so for me, I put DeAndre Hopkins out there. Yeah, that's, that's fair. And, and Hopkins, I have a, a little bit lower. He's my wide receiver 22. Uh, I, I mean, he's, he's just outside my top 20. And uh, one question mark is, is always Tennessee wide receivers. Uh, they have some good ones but they never use them. <laughs> I'm hoping it, it changes. You have him in one league. I have him in another league. We, we're really hoping that he he gets the job done this year. Um, quickly on Debo, I, I pushed him down to wide receiver 19. And and a lot of people may think that's, that's a little low. I feel like that's the lowest I would probably put him. But I feel like I, I just take a, a guy like Jerry Judy. I take a guy like Deontay Johnson over Debo Samuel just because – the rushing just left when, when McCaffrey got there. And I, and I know they're going to try and get back to that. I just feel like I would be, feel more comfortable taking my chances elsewhere. And I think that's why I pushed Debo down. Uh, and it's, it's surprising. He's number 48 on my, on my big board. Yeah. And I mean, we spoke a couple of weeks ago when we did our, our redraft uh, recap and, and go check that episode out. You know, we spoke about Brandon Ayuk and, and his value, and he's kind of been up on top because he's more of a straight-up receiver than, than Debo is with the gadget plays and all that. 
I'm not sure that they really get back to those gadget plays. I think that McCaffrey's kind of going to be the lead guy there. And, you know, Debo might get a couple carries here and there, but I don't, I'm not foreseeing any sort of like role that he had, uh, like a quarter of Patterson where he's wide receiver slash running back. I don't think that that's going to be a thing like it was a couple of seasons ago. Last thing on Hopkins, uh, I truly think that this is the year that they kind of try to pull back Derrick Henry and and that workload and giving him 30 carries a game. I think those those days are are gone. Um, I'm curious to see if Tajay Spears gets any workload and, and what that's like. But to me, I think that Derrick Henry's not going to get the 30 carries a game that, that we saw of yesteryear. Uh, and so to me, that that means that they're going to throw the ball a little more. And I think D Hop has that has that volume. I I hope and pray that you're right on that, Brett. And just quickly, <laughs> just quickly, I have one guy that's that's on your uh, do not ever draft list, and that's Miles yep. Sanders. He's my running back, 18. I have him inside the top 20. I, I'm war. The one thing is, he was running back 15 last year, and that was in a crowded backfield. There was a lot of guys in there, and Jalen Hurts was running the ball. I feel like in Carolina, they're they're going to rely on him more to to kind of take some of the pressure off Bryce Young. They don't want to go all out with Bryce Young in his rookie year. It's kind of a, it, it's a project in, in Carolina. You could definitely say it. I'm a little bit worried about a, a worse offensive line than he had in, in Philadelphia, but I feel like he's inside the top 20 just because not, not a ton of backups around him. It's not as crowded and he still finished running back 15 last year. I feel like they're going to give him those opportunities. I know he's, He's on your uh, don't ever draft again. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's funny. Cause I never like to say that I'm like completely out on a guy. Um, but there's a couple guys that I'm like, mm, I think I'm going to let somebody else take him. Uh, that said, you know, listen, if, if I was getting like Jonathan Taylor in like the sixth round, then you kind of want to take a, or, or, you know, I, I, I don't have anything against Jonathan Taylor. He's not on that list, but I'm just, I'm just giving an example. Like, if I was going to get Miles Sanders, one of those guys in like the twelfth round, yeah, I'm going to take Miles Sanders in the twelfth round, like that, you know. Uh, but to me, I, I probably will let somebody else draft him this year. Um, so, but yeah, it's the, I would say it's the almost definitely never draft again list. Yeah, one thing I'm I'm curious about my top guy in this in this uh, uh, last stretch was uh, Alex Madison. And I actually didn't see uh, you. You didn't have him on your list. I'm curious uh, where you have him because I I think he's I think he's a top 20 running back. Obviously, a lower ceiling than Dalvin Cook. So I don't I'm not expecting him in the top 10. But I feel like 20. I, I, it's a good it's a good spot in that stretch for him. Yeah, I just think that to me, you know, Alex Madison, he's an interesting case. He'd probably be in that next five after that. Um, you know, I, I'm not sure what's going to happen to Minnesota. I, I think that there is going to be another guy that comes in and whether it's Kareem Hunt or something like that, I'm not sure that they're just going to give up Dalvin and then say, okay, we're replacing him with nobody. Um, you know, Dwayne McBride. I'm, I'm not sure that Dwayne McBride is going to be the guy. Um, and I'm also not sure that they're going to give 30 carries a game, 25 carries a game to Alex Madison. I think that that workload is going to be less. So, kind of expecting Minnesota to wait to figure out who gets cut from another team and maybe scoops a guy up here or there, or, you know, gets a lower end guy on a trade, something like that. Um, but I don't know that, that the, fr- the full workload is going to go to Alex Madison. Yeah. You, you uh, quickly, I just have a, a um, it popped in my head. Once you said Alexander Madison and the guys behind them, Ty Chandler, watch out for him. I, I think he's a, a he's a sneaky guy who's done really well in training camp and preseason. He's I think he's going to be the number two. Uh, definitely going to get some touches in that Minnesota offense behind Alex Madison. Yeah, I mean, you know, for me again, it's it's one of those. If you it depends on your league because if you're in one of those shallower leagues, leave him on waivers till he you know kind of gets the opportunity. Um, and we see that opportunity. I'm not sure that he's going to get that right away. Um, but yeah, if you're in one of those deeper leagues, absolutely take a, take a flyer on that kind of guy, stash him on the end of your bench, you know, just in case like you do with a handcuff sort of a thing. And if you have Alexander Madison, make sure that you protect yourself because we're not really sure if he's going to get that full workload and what the unknown brings and, and all of that. 
Yep, very true. All right, so that'll do it for this week on Third Round Reversal Fantasy Football Podcast. Next week is cut down day. As the NFL cuts down from 90-player roster down to 53, should be pretty interesting. Zach, I know we have our dynasty cut down day as we go from 28 down to 21. That should be pretty interesting for us. We'll break that down a little bit and give you some tips for your season. Uh, things that you guys should look out for throughout your season, you know, and moves that you might try to make. Uh, we'll give you some tips from us. Uh, and, and Zach, you got anything to add on that one? Just 16 days away. I'm heading back up to college. I'll, I'll, I'll speak to you next week. <laughs> so we'll speak to you from a different room. And until then, I'm Brett Malamud signing off here. The third round reversal fantasy football podcast. We'll catch